This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. John Marini, who I think is a Donald Trump fan, in an article from Claremont.org, um, uh, Donald Trump and the American Crisis. This is a must-read for everybody who believes in the Constitution because it is why our argument is failing. Um, In the popular um, election, a rousing rhetorical defense of political candidate is nearly impossible when those who have held political offices and attained social respectability are unable to praise the candidate. In the attempt to evaluate Donald Trump, liberals have judged him from the perspective of postmodern cultural, uh, labeling him a reactionary racist, a nationalist, and a xenophobe. Conservatives have not objected to this postmodern characterization of Trump. They have simply tried to add a conservative twist by seeking to revive the old language of character, virtue, and vices, as though this language still has any public or political meaning. Did you hear that? As if character, virtue, vices has any public or political meaning. Unable to politicize a language that no longer resonates, even with the libertarian or economic conservatives, their moral judgments can, listen to this, their moral judgments can only be interpreted by the general population in terms of self-interest. How many times have we heard people say, well, you're only doing this because of whatever our self-interest is. And we look at each other and say, are you kidding me? The beating we're getting for this. But that's the popular refrain. He's making the point. The reason why is because people do not connect to character, virtues, or even vices anymore. This was not always the case in American politics. A political discourse once existed that understood itself in terms of principles of right and the stewards of public office were once judged by nonpartisan standards that presupposed virtues such as honesty, integrity, and character and honor. Those are now a thing of the past. It was an agreement on the need for such virtues that made it possible to entrust those offices to political partisans and to distinguish theoretical and practical reason or prudence. While it was possible to agree on an abstract principle, it was also possible to disagree on the practical way those principles were to be accommodated with respect to contemporary circumstances. Moreover, a public language still existed that made it possible to agree on what kind of public and private behavior was praiseworthy or blameworthy. This is what's happening, gang. But that old language was dependent on a reasonable and objective understanding of virtue and vice. Such language eludes us now in an age where subjective values have replaced public and private virtue. Subjective values. 
and when principles are merely subjective policy preferences that are defined and defended simply by being non-negotiable. Let's see. Although it's easy to blame Trump for politicizing the personal by ridiculing those who seek and hold public office, this is his way of connecting with people who had become mere spectators, not citizens, when it comes to Washington politics. Perhaps he did so because there had there had been no honest evaluation of Washington that originated in Washington. No policy ever really fails. Private corruption never arises to the level of public corruption, let alone is punished. No office holder of significance has been held personally responsible for their behavior since Watergate. Ironically, it has taken a reality television star, one who knows the difference between the real, the real and imagined, I think he's giving him too much credit there, to make reality a political issue with respect to Washington. Indeed, in recent years, Washington has presented itself as a kind of reality show. It is difficult to distinguish what is real from the way it is spun. Benghazi is one example of the unwillingness of the Washington establishment to denounce deception in a political matter. In our post-Machiavellian age, which is open to every kind of novelty, we are faced with a new kind of incredulity, one that prevents men from believing in the old things which they no longer have any experience of. So you can't... you, You... You don't believe in anything anymore because you haven't seen it for so long. And it's been destroyed by academia. It has become far easier for modern man to accept change as something normal, almost natural. What has become difficult to understand, let alone preserve, are things that are unchanging or eternal. History understood in terms of the ideal of progress in politics, economic science, and technology has made change, or the new, seem almost inevitable. As a result, the desire for the newest has become almost irresistible. He then goes into um, how Lincoln brought together at the Cooper Union speech where he said, what is a conservative? What does it mean to be conservative? Are we conservative or are we revolutionaries? And he made the point that we're both, that you have to go back and reject what the fathers did while weighing what they did is good and what parts are bad. So yes, we want to conserve what our founders did, but we also are revolutionaries because we have to now go back and say this part of it is bad. So he was asking You can't be, he was saying, you cannot be a conservative um, and, and, and serve the future unless you're using reason to be able to go back and look through the eyes of reason and virtue to see this is good, this is bad. I love this, let's conserve or preserve this, and let's take this out. In contemporary politics, both liberals and conservatives are necessarily now open to the new. But in many of the most important ways, they have rejected the old policies of the fathers. True, conservatives have not yet seen fit fit to denounce the fathers, but how much of the legacy of the fathers do they still find defensible because of academia? 
Lincoln was aware that the only proper defense of the tried and the true of tradition was a defense of the unchanging principles of political right understood in terms of an unchanging human nature. The predis- uh, uh, this uh, presupposed a distinction between theoretical and practical reason, which made it possible to distinguish unchanging principles from policies that must change. This understanding assumed the benevolence of nature and nature's God, as well as the capacity of human reason to comprehend and impose those rational limits on human freedom that are necessary to ensure human happiness. It is only if the old can also be defended as the good that conservatism or the tried and true can remain a living thing. The historist's understanding of freedom purports to reveal that nature itself is tyrannical and has attempted the self-destruction of philosophic reason by liberating the creative individual from the chains imposed by nature, nature's God, nature's law, and nature's reason. Identity is something that must be freely chosen and self-created by the individual alone, and it must be defended by a government and a law in civil society. Social institutions dependent on the old morality have become intellectually indefensible. In terms of contemporary social and political thought, it is, good, it is the good understood as the old that is no longer defensible, and its political defense has therefore become unattainable. The most controversial aspect of Trump's campaign is his slogan, Make America Great Again because it goes to the heart of the problem. Trump's view presupposes that the old America was good and established the conditions for greatness. But is it true? Or is America something to be ashamed of, as the protesters against Trump have insisted, having accepted all of the teachings of the postmodern cultural intellectuals? Trump's defense of the old America goes unrecognized by conservatives, either because they have succumbed to the postmodern narrative or because Trump is unable to make an intellectual case for the old America. It is possible that the Trump phenomena cannot be understood merely by trying to make sense of Trump himself, but rather it is the seriousness of the need for Trump that, make, uh, that must be understood in order to make sense of his candidacy. Those most likely to be receptive of Trump are those who believe America is in the midst of a great crisis in terms of its economy, its chaotic civil society, its political corruption, and the ability to defend any kind of tradition or way of life derived from that tradition because of the transformation of its culture by the intellectual elites. This sweeping cultural transformation occurred almost completely outside of the political process of mobilizing public opinion and political majority. Understand what what he's saying? Our culture was transformed, and you had nothing to do with it. And that's what people are feeling. I had nothing to do with it. I don't agree with that. America is good. But you can't defend it anymore. We haven't even learned how to defend it with new language. The American people themselves did not participate or consent to the wholesale undermining of their way of life, which the government and bureaucracy helped to facilitate by undermining those institutions of civil society that were dependent upon a public defense of the old morality. To be clear, 
The seriousness of the need does not mean that the need can be satisfied, perhaps even by Lincoln, let alone a Trump. That's frightening. That is frightening. Trump has established his candidacy on the basis of an implicit understanding that America is in the midst of a crisis. Those who oppose him deny the seriousness of the crisis and see Trump himself as the greatest danger. Well, I know there's five, there's four in this room right now that understand this. And I think there's a great number of people in our audience that understand this. Here again, this is why, this is, this is the Trump people have to understand. This is what, we, we are with you on a lot of it. We are concerned because I don't think Donald Trump has the intellectual firepower to even understand what this is saying. Yeah, those, those two things are not mutually exclusive. They're not. You can believe that we're in crisis and just believe he's yes. not the guy to fix it. Right. Here again, Trump's success will depend on his ability to articulate the ground of a common good that is still rooted in the past, a common good established by a government that protects the rights of its citizens in a constitutional matter. He, I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Trump may or may not succeed in becoming president of the United States, and all those who have a stake in preserving Washington as it now exists are his enemies, and the public that is drawn to him is fickle. Much will depend upon the ability of the established order, which has authority and respectability on its side, to erode the trust that Trump has built with the constituency that he has created. In any case, the need that brought Trump to the fore will not disappear with a possible Trump demise. Um, uh, He has addressed this issue when no one else would, and it is the need for political rule to be reanimated in a way that allows public opinion understood to arise in the creation of constitutional majorities to establish the legitimacy of politics, policy, and law in a matter compatible with the rule of law and the common good. That requires revitalizing the meaning of citizenship and reaffirming the sovereignty of the people and the nation. It also requires the restoration of the link between the people and the political branches of the government so both can become defenders of the Constitution and the country. That's from the Claremont Institute. There is a lot to digest. Anybody who is serious about fixing the country and helping the country needs to read that. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BBB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. 